Welcome to another episode of the Physically Jacked Financially Stacked podcast. Today we have someone who is very physically jacked and financially stacked, who is Corby, who is the head coach of Seven Figure Scaling Systems, who also wants to put on the um, headphones we have here, which are only for Im- imitation purposes. Um, <laughs> thanks for jumping on the podcast today, Corby. What we're going to talk about is the quickest way you can get a big improvement in your fitness business, and that's by improving your phone closing percentages. And this is one of the things Corby has a huge amount of experience in, in particular the fact that he owns a couple of call centers around the world. So uh, where do you want to begin with this, Corby? Well, um, when you look at closing, the first thing I always say is, the trick to closing is you should never have to close. Open, right? Yeah, you gotta open. And the problem is when people get on the phone calls, they're dreading getting to the end. So it makes the whole phone call uncomfortable. But if you look at the closing as an opportunity to get someone started, that makes all the difference. And people overlook that one thing. So if I'm talking to you about, let's say, getting in shape, and I'm thinking, how can I use this information to get them to buy at the end of the call? You can't think about two things at once because you're trying to get the information and synthesize it for selling purposes. You should just get the information and be there. And then when it's time to sell, you be there. And if you can separate those two things, that's the thing that's going to help you close better but people are really rushing the call because they're just trying to get to the point and anticipate the objections. So if you can avoid that, you'll do well. But if you can't, those are the people who struggle. And you think people are trying to get to the pitch too quickly without really getting certainty in the prospect's mind? Correct. The reason why (laughs) they're doing that is because two things. One, they're scared. So if they blow it and they get lots of objections, they could say, well, Corby, I tried. It didn't work. And then I listened to their calls, and I hear they were done in five minutes, but they didn't know <laughs> because they failed to make a connection. So I say you have to make a connection before you can get the cash. If you don't make a connection, you don't get the right to get the cash. So when they miss out on the opportunities, is it's happening in the first five minutes because you lost credibility, you lost authority. In fact, I was working with one of my clients the other day, and he says, listen to my reps calls us. So I went to the end, I'm like, well, this all sounds perfect. So then I rewound and went to the beginning, and I realized in the first five minutes, he had no chance, he was dead in the water. So now he's working through the call and he has no chance of closing, so how do you fix that? The one is two ways to fix it. The first one is build rapport, but not a lot because everybody's busy. So the way I built rapport is I just talk about something really easy. So let's say me and you're on the phone. I say, hey, Charlie, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. And then the first thing I'll say is, where you from? Even though I know where you're from because we booked the call, you might not be there because we're on Zoom. Everybody's everywhere around the world. So you could say, well, I'm in Dubai right now. Oh, it must be super hot over there. And you might say, well, no, actually it's the winter time. It's only 75 degrees. It's not that hot. In fact, at night I gotta wear a jacket. Really? You gotta wear a jacket? Maybe I should go to Dubai. And you say, yeah, and then you say something else. And I say, hey, I know you're busy. Do you mind if we get started? When I do that, I built a little rapport, and I respected your time. But I'm not going to be fishing for 16 minutes to see if you uh, have a cat from Bolivia. And I also have a cat, and we can go through cat stories. No, I always use the same thing, either weather or location. Something simple, get us off, reduce the tension, and then I set up the frame for the call, and then I find out why we're on the phone. If you do those three things good, you're gonna be fine. But if you spend 15 minutes trying to build rapport and you know you got calls coming hour after hour, here's what happens. You build rapport for 15 minutes. <laughs> so now you gotta sell them, you gotta close them, you gotta answer objections, you gotta get a credit card, and all of that has to happen in 45 minutes because you got the pressure of the next call coming. So you squeeze them in in 60 minutes, 
and then you get a no show. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I know what it feels like. <laughs> so if you sell long enough, that's going to happen. So the one thing I learned way back when I first started selling was from Zig Ziglar. He says, if you're on a sales call, it doesn't matter what's going to happen on the next sales call. You need to close this one. So I've learned over the years is to become efficient. And my job is to, by minute 35, to be asking for some money. So that gives me 15 minutes to answer any objections. And then after that 15 minutes, I can be done. I could take a breather, run to the bathroom, and whatever I got to do. Smoke a victory cigar? Victory cigar, yes. Victory cigar, I got to add that into the repertoire. I don't know how to smoke a cigar. Maybe you can, you can no, teach I, me. I don't smoke either, but it just reminded me, when I used to work in uh, real estate, we used to have like a deal bell, where you like ring a bell. Uh, or you could, you could get like a deal horn on your computer. I like that. I used to do one M&M every time I make a sale, but I worked in a call center at one point. So got to a point I was eating 35 M&Ms a day. That's <laughs> it. Hmm. we got to change the celebration. And that's when I actually switched to scotch. So I said, if I make a certain amount of sales in a week, on Thursday I get two ounces of scotch. So that's generally how much I drink a week. So the, the premise of the calls where people are losing it is, obviously, in the beginning, and then what happens is once you lose credibility, most people can feel it because they say, well, we started off good, but then something happened. And the reason why it happened is because that's when you lost authority. So one of two things happened. You said something stupid or you're not really connecting with their answers. And by that, I mean, do you mean you're going off track? You're off track. So I have a thing where I call it uh, from zero to 10 and from zero to minus 10. You need to keep them somewhere between plus three and minus three in terms of the tension in the call. If you keep them in that range, you can make a sell. But once you go up to five on either way, either direction, it's hard to bring them back in. So one of the things I always tell people is when you're selling, you never talk about nothing you can't fix. And that is, in my opinion, the biggest secret. So like, let's say me and you talk about a fitness conversation and then you start talking about, well, I'm really struggling with my marriage. Well, let me give you some marriage tips. That's no good. Now we're way off and then you go, at the end of the call, when I'm trying to sell you, guess what happens? Well, let me fix my marriage first and then I'll get in shape. Now you make no money. So if somebody brings up marriage or something I can't fix, I say, hey, that must be tough, but getting in shape will give you the energy. <laughs> to go find a new better looking woman. Well, don't say that because they're still married, right? <laughs> it'll give you- <laughs> it, it'll For an give upgrade, you- right? You- well, you gotta get ready for an upgrade. I said, by the way, is your wife at the gym? Yeah, well, maybe you need to be at the gym too. <laughs> so, so it's an upgrade situation going on, right? But seriously, if they get back in shape, they're gonna have the energy to save their marriage. Because if you look better and feel better, maybe you'll do better, save your marriage. So you gotta make it always about things you can fix. And I see a lot of salespeople in the beginning talk about too many things they can't fix. And that kills their sales. That's one of the things I think I've learned. I remember, I recommend anyone to read this, I don't know if you would, but the Wolf Wall Street book, Jordan Belfort, which talks mm-hmm. about straight line selling system and keeping people on that and not coming off track. Yeah. And as soon as I started to understand that, I was like, fuck, this is where you're going wrong. And this is where I often see people going off topics. They're going, say if you're selling fitness and training programs, they're going too off topic into like, the person on the end of the question, sorry, the other prospects asking questions on like what type of creating and things, it ends up becoming like a fucking coaching call. Yep. And that's where you need to rein it back into like the emotion of what the person wants. Exactly. So my thing is, is this, if I solve your problem or you feel like I solved your problem on the coaching call, quote unquote, or sales call, you won't buy a product. So the purpose is, is to open a wound, put salt on it, and then 
my coaching is the remedy to get you out of pain. But a lot of people forget that and they give them the aspirin during the call. That's no good. Because now I feel like I'm good, so now I don't need you. And that's where people are hurting themselves because they're, as we say in the hood, they're doing too much. And you have to do less better and you'll get more people to purchase from you. So that's what I've learned over the years. When it comes to opening up that wound and pushing more into people's emotions, do you have any suggestions to help with that? Because I think that's an area people struggle with sometimes or feel uncomfortable with. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the first thing is, and this is the hardest thing for us as salespeople, coaches and stuff, we got to learn to shut up. That helps a lot. If you listen to a lot of people sell, when a person is talking, you'll never notice this one thing on a call. Silence. Because when their prospect stops talking, they immediately start talking, which means they were just waiting to talk. But if you give the prospect a chance to breathe with their thoughts and not jump on the back of them, after about five minutes, they're going to expect you to do that. So when they talk, they're not going to be able to share fully and they'll start to shut down. So one of the things I do, once, once you start sharing, so let's say you're telling me something about an old thigh injury or something you had, and I hear you stop talking. I, in my brain, I, I, would, I go one, two, three. And if you don't say nothing, then I start talking. Because sometimes you're just trying to collect your thought, like how much of this story does he need to know? Should I tell him this gruesome detail? Should I do this? Should I do that? And once they share, I say, hey, is there anything else you want to say about that? Great question. You can always go, is there anything else? Is there anything else? And when they start sharing about that thigh injury, now you know if I have a program that's leg dominant and they, they have a thigh injury as a professional trainer and here's the other part that hurts people some people don't believe in their product enough or their training ability or their coaching or their whatever they're selling enough to say can I modify my program adequately to help them get results based on their injury and they'll take on business without knowing how to do things if you can't help a person you got to be a, educated enough to go I can't help you you need to talk to Bill you need to talk to top you need to talk to Frank you need to talk to Eric if you know the people who can help them just send them that way but because a lot of entrepreneurs aren't comfortable in what they do they take on anybody and I believe you can help anybody but you can't help everybody so if a person comes to me as a business coach and says, hey, Corby, I need help with building back-end systems and this and that and the third. Well, in theory, I could do that. But when I look at my superpowers, it's not one of the six rings of the Infinity Stones that I do. I can do it, but it's going to be painful and it's, it's going to require too much time. But I say, hey, I got a friend over here, Rhonda, who that's all she does. You probably could talk to her. She'll get it done quicker, better, and more efficient than me. That maintains my credibility because now when you have a new problem, well, Corby sent me to this great person. Maybe I should talk to Corby. And then the second problem I can solve. So with people on the phones, they're looking for how can I get this sell rather than how can I excel and only serve the people that I should be serving and trying to, instead of trying to serve everybody. And that's the difference. And how's a way to stop doing that specifically? Is it just to try and narrow down who you're trying to target before you get them on the call or is it the type of questions you're going to ask? Well, it's the type of questions. I, I believe, since the, we love to use this word in this industry, funnel, I believe in the funnel. So you start with general questions to get them to talk and the closer you get to the end of the call, 
you want to make their answer short and you can strategically do that by learning how to ask good questions and like what happened tell me about what happened this time can I get a little more information about that when you ask those kind of questions it encourages a person to continue talking to you but if you don't do that that's going to ruin your opportunity to make your closing very easy because I always say the hardest work is before you get to your presentation your presentation because if you do all of the good work up front when you get to your presentation it's done already right it's done they, they're going to do whatever you say so I actually had that that situation this morning. I'm at the Dubai Mall. We're drinking Starbucks coffee. I'm talking to my buddy here, Diego, and his friend walks over Francisco, and we're talking, and Francisco goes, in the middle of our conversation, hey, how can I work with you? I, I wasn't even talking to him about anything, but he heard my level of attention to you know Diego and was like, hey, how can I work with you? W what do you need help with? <laughs> I, I had no idea, but he heard enough that only thing I could do is hurt my chances of selling. So one of the times, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? David D'Angelo, pickup artist. He says, once the sell is made, stop talking. You know, a lot of people oversell. And a lot of times people, when they get to that pitch, they oversell it. I always say the trick is to whelm your customers, not overwhelm them or underwhelm them. Just whelm them. Give them what they want plus a little bit extra. If you do that on a sales call, it's very easy to make sales. So the way you do that is get them to open up. I recommend learn how to question, learn the different types of questions, but don't use tie downs or leading questions. That's the thing that kills people. So Charlie, when you're in the gym, do your back get tight when you do deadlifts? You know, when you say that right there, you go, yeah, my back gets tight. Where's he going from there? So now, now that I know your back's getting tight. Open-ended questions, right? Yeah, if you ask, oh, so when you're in the gym, how long does it take you to recover? That's a better question. Well, what, what do you mean by recover? Because they don't work out. They, they don't even know what that means. Uh, so now we open that up. What, what do you mean by recover? How often do you work out a week? Uh, six times. Wow. What do you do when you work out? Well, I lift weights every day. Really? Why? Because I would train chest on Mondays and backs and by on Tuesdays and this and that. And how's that working for you? Well, it's doing pretty good. You know, how old are you? 26 that's probably not a good system for you there's a way better more efficient way you can work out and get better results in three days really i didn't know that yeah because you may not be at a level advanced enough where you could take on that volume and rest the week and get the results you want as a beginner so we need to switch around your workout to help you do that tell me something else about what do you do when you train for legs do you train your, all your legs in the same day or do you train front back push pull what, what are you doing because the once you start asking those questions, I'm like, well, I don't do any of that. Oh, great. So do you have a methodology you're using to get the results you want? No. Oh, interesting. So let me ask you a different question. And so I start to unpack what they're doing from a place of curiosity, not from I'm trying to get my information. At this point, I'm not trying. I'm keeping it open. So when you're doing your biceps, how many exercises do you do for your biceps? Uh, I do five. You do five exercises for your biceps? Why so many? Well, they said I should be doing the hammer curl and this and, and then one with my thumbs out like this and one. Really? Okay, great. How's that working? Do you got a real good head on the, on the shoulder? You trained it for a show? No, I just want to be active. Oh, okay. So what if you had a workout that supports you being active rather than trying to train for Mr. Olympia? Would that be better for you? 
and it'd be less damaging to your joints, you'd be able to get better effect, blah, blah, blah. They're going to say, yeah, great. How's your cardio doing? Oh, I don't do cardio. They said cardio's for losers. Yeah, that's interesting, but you're 43 years old. You need some cardio now because you're getting old. The older you get, more cardio becomes important because now you need to protect your heart. So your, your training volume might not support that or whatever, right? So now we're talking and we're having a whole conversation and they feel like you care about them rather than getting right to, okay, I got my three checks. Okay, great. Let's move on. So I usually spend about 15 minutes in that phase just being curious. What'd you do in high school? Was you an athlete? Did you ever have injuries? Ask those questions. Now when I ask all those questions, I got a complete picture. And now I have everything I need now to do my review, my summary, to build my presentation. And every presentation I do is only built on what they need. So I don't tell them about anything else. So, hey, you go to Benius or whatever the gym is, they got this ridiculous machine in the back you're going to need. That I don't do any of that. Because... He clearly told me I'm a top level businessman and I just need energy to get through the day. And when I get home, I'm not wiped out. I want to play with my kids. Okay, great. So you need stamina and some performance. Great. So you could build a workout around that. And what a lot of trainers do, we skip steps and coaches skip steps from individual straight to group training. And I believe in the beginning, you need to make sure your program works the way you think it does. So you have a person with 40 clients and throw them in a group rather than trying to work with those clients and master his technique or your technique or her technique. Master your own technique. And then once you get that, whatever you do down pat, then you scale it. So what happens is, is they never get into a scenario where they can comfortably close because they're trying to make their program for everybody. So that messes up the rapport part going into the presentation because they're going to adapt it to whatever. You can make it unique within your system. And that's the part people miss. They try to make it unique for each person so then they get overwhelmed. Would you say the key thing then is like active listening and then also having, like I would say active listening and also then almost getting a prospect to identify like they're doing all this at the moment but it's not really clearly structured to actually achieve what they want and it's not actually taking them towards where they want to go. Yes, that's exactly what you should do. When I'm when I'm on the phone, I look at myself. What's the guy's name? He's the interviewer from uh, England, Pierce Morgan. Yeah, yeah, or Larry King. That's who I am for the first forty minutes or thirty minutes. I'm those guys, and then after that part's done, then I switch to let's say Jordan Belfort or something like that. But in that first part, I'm just curious, and I'm making them comfortable with me because people are ultimately going to buy if they feel comfortable with you. Your program is great. <laughs> But they're going to buy their dream. Nobody buys work. And a lot of times, as trainers, we sell work. Nobody wants to work. <laughs> and so when you sell work, people say no. That's why I try to tell people, you can't tell a person they're going to do an hour and 15-minute workout unless that's how long they work out now or, or they got some massive goal but a regular person with a regular job ain't working out 75 minutes four times a week it's not going to happen and then you wonder why you have no renewals is because in your sales presentation you set yourself up for disaster by telling us you can help them hit this goal but part of the goal is help them hit the goal within the structure of their life and that's what we miss so you got to have different levels of your program to make sure this person can achieve their goal. And that's what we miss. Now, providing you've boxed off 
this section of the call. So you've got um, rapport at the start, you've gone through this, like the prospect identifying the challenge and the idea that they are probably doing something at the moment, but it's not aligned with what they want to achieve. Mm -hmm. How would you then look to move that towards a pitch process and then uh, as the next section? Okay, so let's take me for instance. Um, I'm 50. Um, let's say... Does, he doesn't look it though. <laughs> Thank you. So to buy sunshine. Uh, well, it's, it's, that Dubai, it's great, the sunshine right now. That March in April, the last time, was brutal. It was 40 Celsius in March. That, that's too hot, based on my research. Um, um, so, but let's... 50, oh my gosh. That's, I can cook outside. Um, so when you... Look, that's as hot as my steak, right? 55, yeah. That's about as hot as my steak. That's crazy. So when you get to that part where you wrap it into a bowl. So let's say I had two knee surgeries and some back injuries, but I want to increase my stamina in terms of performance and all that other stuff. So when I'm talking to a person about my nutrition, my, let's call it workouts, and let's say my accountability, let's make it simple. I say from a nutrition standpoint, because you're an executive, you probably don't prepare your meals that much. You eat out a lot, correct? They're going to say, yeah, great. So if you had a structure that would allow you to eat out and still hit your goals, would that be valuable to you? Yes. Great. So then we, I can create a structure for you that will allow you to work within the structure of eating out and as well as eating home so that you can get the same type of nutrition you would in a strict, strict fashion with a more loose structure to work with your executive lifestyle. Does that make sense for you? Yes, that's exactly what I want. Now, notice I didn't tell them how I'm going to do that. The problem is a lot of people want to solve the riddle for them, then they don't have to buy because you solved it. I never solved the riddle, right? So then you go to the workout parts. Okay, so Charlie, I know you're really busy. You don't have time to be in the gym all day. So I use something I call the Seinfeld method. That means none of my workouts will be longer than the episode of Seinfeld. So if you got 29 minutes, we're going to get great results with you because I know in the first six to eight months of a person, especially a beginner working out, they're going to get great results no matter what they do. As long as they have a structure, they have accountability, and we can monitor their food. After nine months, it gets once they get in shape, now we got to get a little more dialed in on the nutrition. And But by that time, they got results, so they're going to be more receptive. And you have to expect, as a trainer, they're not going to be receptive in the beginning because they got to change all of these things. right? So I make the nutrition simple to understand. I make my workouts easier to do simple at least and then the part with accountability and i say um hey charlie how would you like me to hold you accountable do you want me to be like kid gloves like oprah or do you want me to be a drill sergeant like dave Dog david goggins what do you prefer or somewhere in the middle drill sergeant drill sergeant great so my job is to get you in shape and not be your friends but if we become friends after you're in shape that's fine but if we don't ever become friends but you get in the best shape of your life is that something you can live with? 100%. See, so now I just got them to literally say yes to the program. But they don't know that. See, now all I got to do is just tell them how to pay, and they usually pay. And people say, Corby, what kind of objections you get? None. <laughs> but most of the time I make a sale, I rarely get objections other than to how can I pay you? Is it going to be a wire? Is it going to be multi-pay or single pay? But usually I don't get a lot of those I can't afford it objections. It's usually a logistical question. How often do I work out? Can I work out at home? I travel a lot, such and such. 
Do you think the reason most prospects turn down signing up for a program is that the, there's something they don't understand and there's maybe a question that hasn't been asked? Yes. The confused mind always say no, but if you say, like I give you an example. When we left the event yesterday, we're walking out the event and somebody says, Corby, can I ask you a question? I'm like, sure. And they go, what did Joseph mean when he said this? What's, what's AOV? They never heard that before. Average order value. Yeah, yeah but yeah, but the, yeah. you take a lot of orders. So you, you know that. But a person who's never, so they're like a newbie. So they have no idea why average order value is important. But when you're taking 20,000 orders a month, <laughs> that's important. But if you don't know about it, then eh, whatever. And he said, well, how can he make this much in marketing? How could he spend 50 bucks in marketing if the program's only like cents a week or whatever? I said, well, because he knows how long the people are going to stay based on a lot of data. And until you understand those numbers, it becomes hard to scale. So then I broke it down for him in his own business. I said, how much is your program? He said, $2,000. I said, great. How long is the program? Six months. Okay, great. How many people do you need to talk to to sell one? And he got dead quiet. He says, I don't know. I said, well, that's why you're stuck at 18000 a month. He says, so if I found out these numbers, I said, yeah, I can tell you what, exactly what you need to do to grow. How many sales calls you get a week? Well, um, sometimes eight, sometimes two. Some, so you have no idea? He said, no. I said, great. What's your closing percentage? No idea. He goes, half. So as soon as somebody say half, I already know they're lying. I've never met nobody with a perfect 50% closing ratio, right? So... So he knows none of his numbers. So the first thing you're gonna realize when you're looking at sales, until you start to understand the numbers, you don't know which part to improve. So people who can close real good, but they have bad renewals, that means their program's either too hard or too complicated. That's why people don't renew. If they get on the phone and they say no before you're done, that means the way you're explaining your program doesn't make sense. If they say, I need to think about it, which is what, my, what do you need to think about there? Yeah, so so the Grant Cardone, there's nothing to think about. Think about getting started, right? That's not a good way to go about it. So when I ask a person, what, what do you need to think about? So now, if your program has three parts, here's a genius idea. What do you need to think about? The nutrition, the workouts, or the accountability? I need to think about everything. Okay. Great. What, what is it the program you don't understand? Because at this point, you, you're not getting the money anyway. That's how I look at it. Once I get to that place where they start asking, start talking really ambiguous, I use that as a training moment for myself. To practice. <laughs> to practice. Because <laughs> I already know they're going to say no, right? So let me, let me pull out something and see what happens. But people get scared because they need that person to say yes. And the one thing I learned is when I was at my lowest point, I had to mentally train myself to never need anyone, any particular call. And it's really tricky when you know it's the 27th of the month and you need these couple of sales so you can pay rent. But if you maintain your posture, I always say you need to care, but not that much. Like you have that dialed in. I'm like, I, I need to get it to that level. Like when you care, but if it works, it works. If it don't, I, I don't really care. Like, and Frank has that dialed in. Like, in, in what respect do you mean by that? Like, I can tell you're passionate about what you do, but you never get to that point where you look like you, it's gonna fall apart if this doesn't work. Like you care, but you have this air about you where you don't care too much. 
which makes you attractive as a leader to a lot of people because they go, well, this guy has it under control. So it's kind of, well, I hate to say it, like a James Bond effect. Mm. It's like that, like, it's, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Charlie's up there, it's gonna be okay. I don't know how, but it's gonna be okay. Figure it out. We're gonna figure it out. So that air makes it easy to sell. But when you care too much, like Oprah, it's gonna be hard to sell. But you can feel that desperation come off on salespeople straight away. Yeah. Well, I've had it, people trying to sell me shit, I'm like, this is what, because they're too full on, I'm out already. Yeah, they're out because now they're pressing. And when they press. You press back. You press back. So what do you mean you are, then they, you start asking stupid questions. What do you need to think about? Like, so when you say think about what do you, is it the money? Now, oh, so <laughs> once you hit them with that, now they bruise their eagle. So now they probably just can't afford it, but they don't want to say that. So that's the reason why I say, what, do you, what would you like to think about? Is it the nutrition you have questions about? I'd be more than happy to answer them. Is it the workouts? I'd be more than happy to answer that. Is it how the accountability is set up? Because those are the only parts of the program. I would rather clear it up so you could think about it correctly rather than have it be a fuzzy in your head. Does that make sense? So let's just have a conversation. If you want it, that's fine. If you don't, that's also fine. But I don't want you to get off this call being confused because what I've learned over the years, confusion leads me to the illusion that I might get some cash and it's never gonna happen, I already know. So let's at least be clear about what you're gonna think about before we hang up. And then we have a conversation Hopefully they say, well, I didn't really trust the fact that I was, I tried all these other things and it didn't work and you made it sound too easy. And, and, and so then now you could put your coach hat on and really help them through the, the issue. But I wait till then because that means now I'm going to go listen. And this is the most important thing, sales training tool you can have. This is the camera, right? So listen closely. This is the most important sales tool you have. Record your calls. If you record your calls and listen to your calls, you're going to quickly start finding out this is where I blew it. This is where I blew it. I need to be stronger here. I need to be stronger here. Um, I was talking to the natural Miss Olympia a few months back. She's one of the last three. And she said, uh, this year I had to work on my shoulders. I'm like, but you're already the best in the world. Like, what do you mean you need to work on your shoulders? They said I won, but it was really close this year because my shoulders didn't pop as much as they should. I'm like, so what are you gonna do with your shoulders? She said, well, I'm gonna really work and concentrate on my shoulders. I say, well, what about everything else? She said, no, I'm gonna still work on everything else, but I'm gonna put special concentration on my shoulders. So here's what happens with cells. They never put special concentration on the areas of the call that are not working. They put all of their energy into closing. The back end of the objection. The back end of the and they become wizards yeah. at that. And guess what happens when you get real good at something, you focus on it, that's what you get. So I don't spend any time, I hate to say this publicly, but I spend no time working on objections because I, I've been selling for so long, I don't need to work on them. Now I might practice them, but I usually practice because I'm role playing with a client. But I'm not sitting at home like, okay, so what's a new way to, what's a new way to, no. I just have a process of having a conversation, working through their issues, and getting them to say yes. And if you listen to 10 of my calls, and it, it could be the money objection, you're gonna hear 10 slightly different ways to handle it, but the structure will be the same from going from this piece to this piece to this piece to this piece. But it's not scripted, because I think scripts handicap people, especially with closing. 
because I'm going to say this one thing and when it don't work, now what? You got nothing. Nothing. So would you rather have well-trained people or well-educated people? I'm like, of course I want well-trained people. And the dude said this to me. This changed my life, Charlie. Check this out. He says, would you rather have your daughter to be trained or educated about sex? <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, that's not fair. What do you mean? Like, of course I want her to be educated. He says, see, that's why you educate people. Because they can make good decisions when it doesn't go according to script. <laughs> and so from then on, I was like, oh, okay, so let me work on educating people. And that's how come my style works well with a lot of people because I focus on educating people and not training them. Sense. Now, going through objections, the biggest objection people are always going to go is going to be price probably the majority of the time. And probably a spouse objection. Yeah. You probably agree with that. What would you do? So if I said to you, you're trying to sell me something, and I said, Corby, I can't afford it. That's interesting. What do you mean you can't afford it? It's too much money. Really? Interesting. When you say it's too much money, is it too much money to be in the best shape of your life? What's your health worth to you? My health is worth an awful lot, Corby. I just don't have that much money available at the moment. Okay, so let me ask you a different question. If you could pick a price and you can get started today, how much would you pick? $500. Okay, great. So if we start at 500 for the first month and you start getting the results that moves you in the direction that you want to go in, can we get started right now? Yeah. Great. Let's get started. That's a prime example of how you can do it then. <laughs> that's, if I wanted to do that so that yeah. people can literally listen to that. Cause that's because here's what I learned. So listen to this, this one, right? Yeah. All right. Listen closely. What I've learned is some money is better than no money. Fact. Fact. Right? And like, we spoke about the event yesterday. <laughs> like, this is where I look at so If you've got someone on a fucking call, and you've already been on the call for 40 minutes, yeah. you've got to get something for your time of being on that call. So if exactly. I'm doing a sales call, like, I'm not coming off without something, because otherwise it's a complete waste of my time. Exactly. And, um, and at the end of the day, I'm going to give you a program. I'm going to give you nutrition. You're going to get my workouts. I'll put you in trainer eyes. I'm going to talk to you 10 minutes every other week. So when I break it all the way down, will I, am I willing to trade five hundred dollars for what I have to give you for forty-two minutes of my time? That's what it comes down to. But people miss that. Well, I know my value. I said, yeah, but here's the most important thing: you can understand your value, but you got to know what it's worth to your market. Those are two different things. Like the price of my health is it's worth everything. But the value I'm willing to pay for this service has a finite limit. And people don't understand, you can get rich in your niche if you don't be a bitch, right? <laughs> so, what I mean by that is this, you can't be a diva and say, this is what my product is worth. And when I taught a lot of people that, hey, get some money, especially if you're not huge, like you're not gonna train a person at this point, like one-on-one -on -one for like 300 a month. You're not doing that. Not at this point, because you, you built your brand and you have enough success. Now, if a person say, hey, Charlie, look, I don't want to work with none of your trade. I want to work with just you. I'll give you 10 grand for six months. And you're thinking, okay, so two calls a month, 20 minutes, multiplied by six, two hours. That's 3,000 an hour. Sure, let's do it. But that all happens instantly. Okay, great. So when you look at people, they... They believe that they're worth this much when they don't have the work 
to say they're worth this much. So you have a new trainer or a new coach saying, hey, I want three grand for four months. Great. Let me see your body of work. Who have you helped? What, you know, what have you done? Uh, I helped my cousin. I helped my two friends at the gym. And you want this amount of money? Are you famous? Like, are you an ex-pro football player? Are you a basketball player? Are you a gymnast? Are you, like, why would I pay? Are you Olympia? Like, why would I pay you that much? Because they don't have the evidence that backs up that price. And that's what kills people. Because without that good evidence and testimonials and proof, that's how you increase your price. Because you have a preponderance of evidence. So the best way to describe this is I love European crime dramas. And they make the case for the crown, which just sounds so stupid every time I hear my like, case with the crown. What does that even mean? Like, is, does that mean we go into court? And so I've watched enough. And so now I know what I mean. It means. But they say, unless you have a preponderance of proof, not just prove it. It has to be super clear, which I said, maybe I need to get in trouble in Europe more often because it don't even need to be clear in America. You going to jail. Right. But the trick is in Europe is you're presumed to be guilty and you have to prove your innocence, which is way more difficult to do. So I always say if I convicted you for being guilty of being a fitness trainer with a lot of success, would you be found guilty or would you be innocent? You want to be found guilty. A lot of people just don't have enough proof <laughs> to, to be who they say they're going to be. And that's what kills them. Because when you get on that phone and they get under pressure, you know that you, you might not be able to help this person. You don't want that pressure on the phone. Because now you're asking for three grand and you're saying, am I worth three grand? Can I really get these results? Can I deliver? And that's always playing in your head so it affects your ability to close. So that's why I say your best ammunition for being a good sales closer is get results with your clients. Whether you're a business coach, whether you're a fitness coach, whether you sell cars or real estate or whatever, or if you just work in the office, get a lot of results. That's going to increase your confidence and then your objections go away. For anyone who's got their own phone closers or sales team, would you try and push those results onto the closers all the time so they always have that front of mind? Yeah, because... If you have a person closing for you, or if you have a team of people closing for you, little known secret, work with those closers. Because the more they know about, the more they can see your testimonials, the more they can see your case studies. If you get, I, we, back in the day, we used to build a book. So I would, every time we got a testimony or case study, a really good person, we put in a book. So when we sold for different clients, all of the salespeople had books. So now, Let's say you, you're married with two kids and a dog. We flip through married, two kids, dog. Okay, we got these five people. Oh, great. I understand where you're coming from. We got Eric. You know, Eric used to be in the, got the highlights here. Eric was in our program like three months ago. Same scenario as you. He had a dog. So what we worked out for him is a way to get steps while he walked his dog. So the dog's happy. He was happy. We worked that out. And we worked around his wife and boom, 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 boom. So that happened with Eric. Let me tell you about Sarah. Let me tell you about, you know, Chase. Let me tell you about. And by having that evidence... When your sales closes on the phone, they could use your case studies, your testimonials, your success stories to make it easier to close. Because I always call it the Weight Watcher formula. And I've always said this way before I even got into fitness. The reason why Weight Watchers is so successful is because they have thousands of stories. Like literally thousands of stories. Now, does it work? No. But <laughs> the reason why it don't work because nobody's going to count points for the rest of their life. 
And the people who do, yeah, it works. But how many of those people are going to count points forever? But that doesn't matter because they get you in for the first 3,000 and they know like their AOV is 2,700 and they're spending 1,000 to get people in and they know they make $1,700 every time they do that. I'm going to do that all day. And that's why they make billions, literally billions of dollars knowing that 95% of the time it's not going to work. But in, as a fitness coach, <laughs> you don't have the luxury of not having your program work that much because we don't have enough money to outpace lack of results. And that's what they have that we don't. So your job is to get results or you know, you can't have sales closes. You can't do leads. You can't. It's so many things you can't do when, once you don't get results. It makes every area of your business hard. Results-based business, right? Yeah, it's results-based. Like, if, if you got all these fat people, like, it's, it's <laughs> I hate to say it, like, you go, you go to a gym, you'll see a person who's had a trainer for three years, and they're still fat. And I used to get upset. I'm like, how can he be a trainer for three years and this person's still fat? And then you think about it, well, if I got them in shape at a gym, I don't get paid no more. So it's not even in their best interest to get you in shape. And, 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 and that just hit me one day while I was on the elliptical, watching this lady at the gym who's been getting a trainer for three years. I'm like, well, how how long have you had this training? She said three years. I'm like, really? When you started, how much did you weigh? She was like, like 240. I'm like, how much you weigh now? She said 215. Okay, I guess it's working. And I'm as I'm walking away, I'm like, three years, 25 pounds. This dude is stealing from her. You know, and she works with him three times a week. But the job is to what? Keep clients. It's never in the gym trainers, in-person trainers to get results that's not their mo the next objection i wanted to go through which is one i know a lot of people get frustrated about is uh i need to speak to my partner that one's easy that's the easiest objection of them all even you got uncomfortable right <laughs> you know why because you could just say okay great when can we speak to him if a person actually wants to buy they'll be cooperative and if you don't believe me Call your parents or something like that. Or call call any married couple you know and say, hey, I'm thinking about taking you on a, on a vacation. I, I got this extra miles and I just want to take y'all because we cool. So it's all going to be taken care of. I got it. There's a 100% chance whoever you get on the phone is not going to say, let me talk to my wife. Let me talk to my husband. They're like, yeah, we can go. Well, I didn't tell you when. Don't worry. We can go. <laughs> because they want it, right? So they're going to be cooperative. So the first thing I ask is, hey, when can we talk to your wife? Simple. Um, uh, she's real busy. Great. But y'all got three kids, so you're clearly home sometimes together. They usually laugh. Great. So she's early bird. That's great because I go to the gym at four in the morning. Perfect. When you want to talk? Oh, well, uh, Thursday. Great. Let me write, write that in. But I need, I need you to do two, two things for me. What? Don't tell her anything about what we talked about. Really? Why not? Because your summarization of my 30 years of experience is going to be horrible. <laughs> and that's what I tell people. Your summarization of my 30 years of experience is going to be horrible. Would you agree? Yeah. Great. So just tell her, hey, I saw something. I'm really thinking about getting in shape. This guy made a lot of sense, but I'm not sure if I should do this or not. Can we jump on the phone with him and you make sure I'm hearing what I thought I heard? If you say that, she'll get on the phone. 
And then the last thing I want you to say is, and if when it works, I'm going to look a lot better, have a lot more energy for you. Your, your wife will know what that means, right? Yeah, she knows exactly what that means. So that's a win-win for everybody, right? Yeah, great. So now we just book a time. What's the best time to call? What's the best time to set it up? And then they're, they're going to be agreeable at that point. But if you try to get cute, it's not going to work. Just have a conversation with them. Like I have a system that I use there, but I'd rather just have a conversation rather than going, well, step one, say this. If they say this, then do this. Would Tuesday or Thursday be better for you? Would no morning or night be better for you? That doesn't work. Because the reason why he needs to speak to his wife is because he's scared. Because he's tried other things, he's done other things, and it didn't work. So usually when a person wants to speak to the spouse, that's because they tried usually what you're trying, and it didn't work before. And it didn't work the third time and the fourth time and the fifth time. So now he has to convince her that the sixth time it's going to work. And if you don't believe me, look at any couple you know and ask them, when you had to think about it, have you tried this before? What happened the last time you tried to lose weight? Because you already asked him that early in the call. How many times did you try to lose weight? Six, eight, ten. His wife's been like, well, he ain't done that before. Why is he going to do something now? So usually when a person needs to think about it or have their spouse involved, it's because they failed before. So you have to show them or get them to believe your system's going to be different from what they tried before. It's just removing that fear of failure is yes. the key. Yep. And that's what happens earlier in the course. You don't get the objection. That's right. So if you do it right here, you don't have to deal with it here. That's why I don't have objections because I handle the key objections built into my sales presentation or my sales conversations. It's built in. So I find out about the wife. What have you tried before? Why has it failed? What kept you from getting the results that you want? Why aren't you there already? Boom, boom, boom. Well, I did lose 50 pounds one time four years ago, but then I gained it all back. What changed that made you gain it all back? Yeah. So I said, there's a great book by Mike uh, Maxwell Maltz called Psycho-Cybernetics, where he worked with women and he gave them plastic surgery after they had accidents or different things. And after they got the accident, uh, after they got plastic surgeries, they still had the same impression of themselves, even though they look miles better. It didn't change their internal representation of themselves. So as a fitness pro, and this is the most important thing, you're trying to change the picture that people have of themselves long term. So part of your program has to include that to help them change how they see themselves. So when I'm on the call, I'm trying to get a person to shift how they see themselves. That's the goal. I'm trying to shift their perception of what their new reality can be. And if they buy into my, my reality, then I don't have objections. If they're not bought into my reality, then I have a lot of objections. And that's the key. Do you think there's any advice in like tonality or body language you think would help? Because that's a huge thing, particularly on Zoom, like video calls. Um, little known secret, I don't turn my camera on on Zoom. <laughs> so when you're doing sales calls, you don't have your camera on? Nope. I never turn on my camera. And they, they say, well, are you going to turn your camera on? I said, usually I don't turn on my camera because my head's down because I'm writing all the notes while I'm listening to you. They say, okay, you can turn your camera off too. But here's the secret. I put the best photo I can ever have as my Zoom avatar. So my current Zoom avatar is a picture of me in Dubai with a turban on, with an eagle on my, my shoulder. That's a badass picture, right? So they're like, oh, so he clearly travels. So that means he's doing good for himself. That means he's getting results because how's he going to travel? Because this is all I do. So it gives a perception that I'm doing well. Now, I'm, I'm not going to show no ring or no bling or none of that, no hotel rooms. That's all stupid. But 
I'm out in the nature, you can quickly tell, well, he's clearly not, That's he's, he doesn't live in the desert. So they know I'm on vacation. They know that vacation's probably expensive. They know this hawk is just not out here hanging out, sitting on my shoulder. So I probably had to pay for all of these things to happen. People are smarter than we give them credit for. So when we go through all those things, guess what? They go, okay, great. So now they're listening. So now I could take my notes and build my story, build my case study. So now I can shift their picture because I got everything I need, everything they said, I got everything I need, and that makes it easy to close in the end. But if you don't do that, tonality is the key. So it's three, it's three different tones I use. The first tone is my curious tone. So my voice gets a little softer like this when I'm on the phone. So Charlie, tell me what happened at the gym that day. I get a really soft voice because then they, I, that's less threatening. But the closer I get to the end, my voice gets a little more intense a little more deeper, you know, a little more authoritative. So in the beginning, I let you lead, and then I mirror you, and then I, then I lead. Take control. The, yeah. So, but when I take control, I say, "Hey, everything switches." When I say, "I created a program specifically for people like you," would you like to hear about it? Once, I, once you say yes, I, I go into a different tonality, just very subtle, but it's it's not the curious tone anymore. It's it's more like, hey, this is going to direct. This is how but, it's going to be. Yeah, but I earned, I earned that tone because you warmed them up beforehand. I warmed them up. I got their respect. I did all of that. Now, when I'm selling, it's two things I do. I speak slightly slower. A lot of people don't realize that. So I could say, um, let me just make it about this camera right here. So Charlie, we got this new camera that'll make all your podcasts really, really sing. The beautiful part about this camera is it's mirrorless. So what happens with a mirrorless camera is it won't create that bright reflection that happens with old DSLR cameras. So by using this camera, it's gonna give you a better focus. It's gonna give you multiple angles within the one shot so we can zoom out and zoom in without it ever affecting your podcast. The beautiful part about that is, is the production quality will go up on your podcast. The sound will be better. It will record everything you need it to have, but the best part is it'll catch those micro faces that you make to really keep the listeners involved so when you make the little squint it'll catch that it'll catch everything on your face in a way where you'll look like a million bucks at all time on the podcast is that what you want for your podcast i mean can i buy three see that's how you do it but i speak a little slower but i'm more authoritative and but the reason why you speak slower is because when you sell and when you get into that sales part of the presentation people are programmed for you to start fast talking them so I slow talk them, which is faster. Cause I, I, I probably I talk too fast when I go to the sales pitch. Because <laughs> I talk really quick anyway. Yeah. Like Michael Paul's on the time, like, like as I said about speeding up videos, like you talk too fast anyway. Yeah, so when you talk slow, they don't think you're trying to fast talk them one. Everything's clear two, and you get no objections three. So slow is smooth and smooth is fast. That's why I don't get objections. I could I could have said everything I just said really fast. Oh, you get blah, 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 blah. You're like, oh, he's too excited. Like, no, I'm. Now they, now they get much. nervous. Oh, now I gotta, now I gotta ask a few questions because I don't even know what the heck he just said. So sometimes you talk yourself out of a cell because you're talking too fast, and people don't think about that. <laughs> so I've learned to slow down that sales presentation. So rather than it take me thirty seconds to say, it might take me thirty-eight seconds or forty seconds. But by saying it at that speed and taking a breath here and a breath there, people will listen more. And as you collect your thoughts, you don't have to use a lot of ums and uhs and filler words, which makes you sound even more creditable. Smoother, right? Smoother, yeah. Is there any more knowledge bombs, if anything, you want to share, Colby, before we wrap this up? 
I got two for you. Okay. If you're not practicing your presentation every day, you're an idiot. And that's for anybody who sells. Here's a, here's a short version of a long story. My little sister used to work at a bank. And the first two months, this is way back when people still went to banks. They made her study money for two months, but they never made her study counterfeit money. She only studied real money. So instantly, if a counterfeit came through, she would know. So what happens is, is when you practice your presentation, always practice it going perfect in your brain when you visualize it. So that way, when you get on the call, you create the right intention for the call. This call is going to go smooth. And then if it has bumps and bruises, you have a picture in your mind of how you want it to end. So it's easier to get back to that rather than being nervous. So practice, practice, practice. And the second knowledge bomb is review your calls. I said it earlier, but really go through them and say, if I could do this call again and I had the same prospect, what can I do to make it a little bit better? And if you just listen to your own calls and go through them, you'll get really good really quick because that data, you say, well, I keep messing up at this part of the call. Then you can buy sales books to help you fix that. See, general sales books are great, but I don't believe in just in case. I believe in just in time. So when I need it, then that's when I read it. And that's what I do. What's, because I know this is what everyone's going to ask, what are the best sales books to read to sales phone closing? Oh my gosh, the best sales books. It's a really good old book by Tom Hopkins called Mastering the Art of the One Call Close. Um, because here's, here's a little known secret. All sales calls are one call closes. Everything else is just a warm up. <laughs> Cause you, True. Yeah, because you only get one shot. So it's only one call. It doesn't matter if you're selling fitness training or you're selling, you know, Boeing selling plane parts to Air Emirates. It's one call. Because when it all comes down to it, everybody's in the room finally. I'm going to make this pitch and you're going to say yes or no. When you get to that point, they don't say give us a proposal because they already got it. They have all the information they need. So now it's time to say yes. So practice and stay in the moment is that's what I try to do. So Master Nardo One Call Close. There's a good book by a guy named Jed Blunt. I think I'm saying it right. It's called Objections. He has a good series of books for like more modern closing. Um, Grant Cardone's book is called uh, Closer's Survival Guide. That book's horrible, actually. The objection one. Yeah, I Don't hate like it, it because he, the, he, I call him a stage closer. That stuff doesn't work in real life for regular people. It's going to work if you're famous. But if you're not famous, like, is this expensive? Expensive compared to what? Like, that's not going to work anymore. Like, because I, I could, I know. Too aggressive. More, it's too aggressive, but I know more about your product than you. If I went to a, a store to buy this camera right here, I probably know more than the salesperson trying to sell it to me. So he can't use that. So a lot of the things that he says doesn't work. But there's one that he talks about. The Closer Survival Guide is good from a mindset point of view, like to get your mind right and using some of the concepts. But those wordings, horrible. Just my opinion. Zig Ziglar, Selling, it's a classic book on how to sell. Forget the objections and stuff, but the mindset part, great. Listen to Zig Ziglar is good. Now, one of my best secrets for sales is listen to anything by Les Brown. Listen to anything by David Goggins. Listen to anything by Eric, the hip hop preacher, because you need to build just your mind more than you need to learn these closes and stuff, because your attitude a lot of times will dictate whether you get objections or not. And if you don't believe me, Charlie, think real quick about a time you, everything was going great in your life, even if it was for a month. When you got on the phone, everybody said yes. 
They were defenseless. It was nothing they could do. They had yeah. to say yes, right? Yeah, because Specialist. because you feel good. So they'd be like, well, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Let me do this. And, th- and that's the part that people overlook. They're worrying about techniques and just build you a little bit. And if you build you, it'll, it'll come through on the calls. That you're confident, you're comfortable, and they go, well, I, maybe I should do what this guy's saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Thanks for that take, Hobby. I know it's a, a ton of knowledge and bombs there dropped. I took, you know, probably li- re-listened to this about a million times. Uh, so thank you for that. So everyone who's listening to the podcast, please make sure you leave us a five-star review, subscribe. And if you're looking to scale your fitness business with speed and certainty, drop me a message on Instagram at Charlie Johnson Fitness or 7 Figure Scaling Systems IG with the word scale to find out how we can help you. And we'll see you next episode very soon.